Welcome to the Accelerate Podcast, hosted by the Daniels College of Business Executive Education Division at the University of Denver in Colorado. I'm Janet Redwine, and I'll be your host along with Assistant Director Camila Angeline. This podcast was originally recorded as part of the Accelerate webinar series. Launched in 2020, these webinars are designed to help you accelerate your capacity to deliver results for your organization. Each episode includes a presentation from an expert faculty member, followed by a short question and answer session. The goal is that you will gain new insight about yourself, your community, your organization, and even our world. Find more details by visiting daniels.du.edu accelerate. Karen Collins is one of our newest faculty members in executive education, and she joined us in March of 2023 to discuss thinking traps. For most of us, 80% to be exact, our inner dialogue is mostly negative. These thoughts disrupt progress and prevent us from communicating and interacting well. Karen explained how to trade in this harmful inner dialogue for a more helpful one. Karen is an executive coach and faculty teaching in the Accelerated Leadership Experience, a five-day program which provides high-potential managers with a toolkit of leadership skills and experiences. One is joy-based and the other is fear-based. Choose wisely and you will ignite different neurons in your brain to stimulate different desires and intentions. Stay with us. Today, we are going to talk about something many of us encounter, thinking traps. One study indicated over 96% of adults admit to talking to themselves. So no, you are not crazy nor alone if you have an inner dialogue. According to the National Science Foundation, the average person has about 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Of those, 80% are negative and 95% are the exact same repetitive thoughts as the day before. One common solution to thinking traps is mindful distraction. This sounds like a nice way of saying avoiding or resisting our thoughts. Carl Jung is right when he said, what we resist persists, which is why 95% of our thoughts are repetitive. I want to offer a different approach. Today, I want to talk about three thinking traps. And I want to offer alternatives that will help you unhook from that repetitive cycle. If we are equipped with different tools, we have more options to create different results. Before we get started, I want to note that psychologists have identified 10 common thinking traps that adults regularly experience. For today, Camilla and I chose three because we both have experienced all of them. So let's get started. The first up, are should statements. This is when you use the word should to set a rigid rule for how the world should operate or for how people, including yourself, should think, feel, and behave. These statements tend to increase our worry, our fear, and frustrations because they put unnecessary pressure on us to act a certain way. This leads to guilt and feelings of failure. Essentially, they break us down rather than lift us up. They come from a place of fear versus a place of joy. Examples are, I shouldn't have made so many mistakes on that project, or I should eat a salad instead of that pizza, or I should quit on this dream and get a safe, 
boring job. Do any of these sound familiar? Or does the pattern of shoulds and shouldn't feel familiar? If so, this is what a client Elizabeth once told me. She had a background in marketing and I can see why. I now tell this to my clients and students and I'm sharing it with you today. Don't should all over yourself. So what's the alternative? First, let go of self-judgment to make space for curiosity. You can do that by asking yourself, why should I? When asked with curiosity, this question won't sound sarcastic or come with an eye roll. It sounds more like, oh, I wonder why I feel I should or shouldn't do this. This helps you identify what's important to you in this experience. And identifying what's important is identifying the core value, your core value, that is at the root of your feeling. If the justification is coming from an authentic place, proceed by honoring your value. This might sound like, I want to eat a salad because it supports my goal to lose 10 pounds and it honors my value of an active lifestyle. If the justification is because of the proverbial they or the experts or even someone around you who is important to you, again, you can use this question to find what is important to you in this experience. This might sound like, yes, that safe, boring job would be more financially stable initially, and that does have benefits. I am choosing to honor my value of making an impact by pursuing my passion. I wonder what it looks like to create financial stability and honor my values of impact and pursuing my passion. When there's partial truth in your should statement, acknowledge the reality and your willingness to change. That might sound like, yes, I did make mistakes on this project, and the reality is that it does not represent my best work. I will ask for an extension to give myself time to improve. Here's a warning sign. Sometimes should statements come out as if-then statements where you overfocus on an imagined outcome as the solution to all your problems. Newsflash, the grass is greener where you water it, not simply on the other side of your current situation. So what do you do? Identify the trade-offs. This is not a pros and cons list. This is a yes, no list to help identify the trade-offs you're willing to accept and the choices you make. To use one of the examples here, this might sound like, if I say yes to ignoring the team's distractions, what am I saying no to? Alternatively, if I openly acknowledge the team's distractions, what am I saying yes and no to? Then make a commitment to consistent action. That might sound like, if I say yes to prioritizing finding a life partner, what am I willing to do each and every day to make this a reality? The key is to identify what you are willing to do differently, consistently so you don't keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. That's Einstein's definition of insanity. Let's move to thinking trap number two. Catastrophizing is overestimating the consequences of something negative happening. Catastrophizing also has an accomplice in minimizing, making this a double-dose thinking trap. I will talk about that one in a moment. Let's first talk about catastrophizing. Examples, that customer just left a terrible review and it's going to ruin my professional reputation. Or another one is, 
If I take my eyes off my kids for one moment, they will surely break a bone or get abducted by a stranger. <laughs> that second one is directly from my brain as a mom of two daughters. To let go of catastrophizing, first distinguish fact from story. Then acknowledge your experience with a more reasonable or realistic outcome so you can proceed with courage. That previous example about the bad review, the fact is a negative review was written and that is not an ideal scenario. What is story is that it will ruin your reputation. Not only is this catastrophizing, it's also fortune telling, which is another thinking trap. We don't know what will happen, nor can we control what will happen, but we can control our actions. And the next step is to acknowledge a broader perspective using your own or others' experiences. That would look like, I have seen a bad review before and still proceeded with my purchase based on the majority of reviews. I do that often on Amazon. And finally, proceed with courage. Confidence only shows up when you've done something before, so use courage instead when you're trying something new. Like should and if-then statements, this usually includes an I will statement. That might sound like majority of our reviews are positive and this will not likely ruin our reputation. I will write a response to acknowledge the upset customer and offer a conversation. I mentioned minimizing is catastrophizing's accomplice. Minimizing is where something is a big deal and you downplay it. Watch out because procrastination and dismissiveness are often the tools used to minimize what's really important to you. When you put a lot of effort into something and someone notices, minimizing might sound like, oh, it was no big deal, don't worry about it. Or perhaps you have an important meeting coming up and you don't prepare until the last minute because you don't want to seem too eager or you're not sure where to start. That is also minimizing. There are two alternatives when minimizing thoughts are present and they don't include procrastination or dismissiveness. They do include acknowledgement. Acknowledgement is a powerful step to get you out of many thinking traps, and we've already discussed it with the alternatives for should statements and catastrophizing. So the alternative is to acknowledge through gratitude or appreciation. This could sound like, thank you, I put in a lot of effort, I appreciate you for noticing, or simply, thank you. That is a full sentence. A second alternative to minimizing is to give yourself permission to feel the magnitude of the experience then choose the joy-based emotion, which often feels similar to a fear-based emotion. In 2014 and 2015, four neuroscientists studied how emotions were experienced in the body and noticed a remarkable similarity to seemingly opposing emotions. A few examples are gratitude and guilt, excitement and nervousness, as well as panic and exhaustion. While exhaustion may not feel joy-based, it's your body's request for rest, which is a joy-based experience. Today, let's differentiate excitement from nervousness. They create a similar experience in our bodies, including an elevated heart rate, sweaty palms, and belly butterflies. Have anybody experienced those? I know I have. Would you be able to extinguish excitement from nervousness in the moment? If you pause, you can. One is joy-based and the other is fear-based. 
Choose wisely and you will ignite different neurons in your brain to stimulate different desires and intentions. If it is a big deal to you, let go of comparing others' level of importance to yours and schedule time on your calendar to dedicate to this work and overcome the procrastination tendency. Our last thinking trap is emotional reasoning. And it's the most common thinking trap according to mindset health. Examples might be, I feel guilty, so I must have done something wrong. I feel scared, so I must be in danger. Or I feel unoriginal, so I am not helpful nor interesting to others. There is a countermand or reversal to emotional reasoning called real but not true. This phrase was coined by a Tibetan Buddhist teacher, Sonyi Rinpoche, and popularized by American psychologist and author Tara Brock. When you experience a feeling or emotion, you cannot unfeel it. The same goes for our thoughts. You cannot unthink a thought. They are real because they happened. That does not mean they are rooted in fact or that they are permanent, real but not true. So what's the alternative? Similar to catastrophizing, notice the piece of truth in the feeling or emotion and state that fact out loud. I do feel inadequate, I do feel guilty or scared. Then say, this can be real but not true. Turn the feeling or thought into a limiting belief statement to find the evidence for the contrary. The example, I feel unoriginal, so I am not helpful nor interesting to others, was one I encountered frequently in 2021. Here's my countermand. It is true, I feel unoriginal in this moment. I am letting go of the limiting belief that what I have to say is not interesting nor helpful. This allowed me to see that this work is helpful and interesting to me, so I will choose to share it with others. What happens after that is out of my control. So to manage your emotional reasoning, I have two power moves for you. One, do all of this work out loud. State the fact, say this can be real but not true, and say your limiting belief statement all out loud. The second power move, if your emotional reasoning is chronic, commit to saying your limiting belief statement every day. I spoke mine every morning for a year, and I now have unhooked from that belief and allow myself to trust in the knowledge that I am sharing. If it helps just one person, that's enough for me. There you have it, three common thinking traps and their alternatives. For should statements, remember, don't should all over yourself. Instead, identify the value connected to your should statement and choose to take action that honors that value. When should shows up as if then, consider the yes-no trade-offs and create an I will statement to take action. For catastrophizing, distinguish fact from story and use courage to acknowledge a more realistic outcome. When minimizing shows up, gratitude, acknowledgement and appreciation. And finally, emotional reasoning. Using real but not true to help build a limiting belief statement to unhook from the negative thought is your key to leaving thinking traps behind. Here are the 15 alternatives in one slide for you to review. My recommendation is to choose one or two that stood out to you and be intentional with your actions. For me, 
I started by letting go of judgment to make space for curiosity. Then I used acknowledgement with gratitude and appreciation, which led to focusing on joy-based emotions. When they became natural for me, the I will statements and the fact versus story were my intentional tools. Give yourself permission to do something differently and see what happens. Thank you, everyone. I hope that by learning new tools that will offer you an opportunity to try different ways of acting and being to create the results that you desire in your life. Thank you so much, Karen. I feel like we got an insight into our brains and I have so many questions. Well, I wanted to get started with, we are, I think that we're wired to do things in a certain way and to be repetitive about the things that we do. So it's hard to change. Although everything that you shared, it sounds easy to change, but it, sometimes it's not. So how do you change? What is the first step um, that someone can take to start that change? You know, that's a great question, and we are, as humans, we do tend to repeat the same things because it's easier to do something that you've done before than to do something new. So there are actually three steps to change, and we often get stuck in thinking that if we don't change immediately and change proactively, that we're not actually changing, and that's not true. Proactive change is the third step. The first one will be a reflective change where you may do the same thing you did before and afterwards you're like, oh, I did it again. And that's the opportunity to stop and pause and ask yourself, if I had a do-over, what would I do differently? And that reflection helps your brain trigger new neurons in your brain to start the, the change process. And then that second step will be in the moment. If you and I are having a conversation and I feel a thinking trap start to dominate my mind and then create the action I don't want, I'll catch it in the moment. And in that process, give yourself permission to pause and say, I'm sorry, I want to do over. Sometimes that's to the person you're interacting with or sometimes that's to yourself. And when you do those two things, slowly your mind will start to remember the new active change that you want to make and do it proactively. But we have to give ourselves permission for the reflection and the in the moment before we'll start to do it differently, before we even have the thinking trap in our mind. That makes sense. So sometimes we are in contexts in our jobs or in our lives uh, that don't give us a lot of opportunity for that change. Mm -hmm. How, and then if someone walks out from here today and they know that, okay, there are some things that I wanna do, how do we get other people that are around us on board to support us on this journey of change? That's a really good question. My first response is, we are only responsible for our own actions. We cannot control how other people act or how other people think. And so it's our responsibility to manage and maintain our own thoughts and our own actions. And then the other way that we can help offer people to come on board with us is to talk to them about what we're doing. You know, hey, I've noticed that I've been having a lot of thinking traps lately, and I've been using a couple of new tools to help me then you can welcome them, you can give them opportunity to learn from what you've been doing and you can teach them. And the other is to just model it, right? And people, we, as much as we like to do the same thing over and over again, we also like to model other people's behavior. And so that's our role is to be responsible and accountable to our own thoughts and actions and let other people see the different results that we get because we're taking accountability for that. That's great. Um, 
There's one last question that I wanted to ask you is, there are times in our lives that we can't control our thoughts, right? We can't, we are in the midst of a, a spiral. We're not, uh, we're not able to rationalize and really go through steps because sometimes these thoughts can be very, very intense. Um, are there other things in or techniques that we can use to get ourselves out of those thinking traps? For example, one thing that I like doing is listening to music that will get me, I love podcasts, but sometimes they get you into a place that you're just overwhelmed with a lot of information. So maybe switching to music that will get you out of that, that mindset that you're in. Are there other things that people can incorporate to help them um, in that change as well? Yeah, and I'm with you. I love listening and learning. Learning is a really big value of mine. But I can, I can swing that pendulum to where I need to let go of the, the feeling, the should statement that I should be learning right now. And music is a beautiful way of doing that. Another piece that a lot of people use is getting outside, right? Mm -hmm. If you hear people of when you have a disagreement with somebody important to you or you've, you're not able to think as creatively as you want, people say, go take a walk, go get some fresh air. The thing is, is the tools that I was giving you all today is the mental, um, the mental equivalent of going outside and getting mm. a breath of fresh air, right? When you get into that thinking trap, you can get into tunnel vision and it's not serving you. And so being able to think through these different tools that we offer today can help us take a mental walk and get out of that. And the biggest thing I can say is the power of pause. When you feel yourself in a moment where you know it's not serving you to have the thoughts or the feelings that you're having, is pause. Maybe it is to put on music. Maybe it is to breathe. Maybe it is to journal and to write. But if you give yourself a moment to stop, even 15 seconds, that will allow you to reset so that you can choose to act intentionally right, and respond to a situation rather than to react to it. I love that now we have these two different ways on how to tackle all these thinking traps, you mm -hmm. can, ways that we can use our bodies in, in, uh, in music and other resources, and, but also ways that we can mentally go through uh, situations and then get ourselves out of, of that, that thinking trap. Well, thank you so much for working with us today, Karen. I really enjoyed this presentation. Thanks for spending some time with us here at the Accelerate podcast from the University of Denver's Daniels Executive Education Division. As a reminder, you can find more information about the Accelerated Leadership Experience by visiting daniels.du.edu accelerate. We hope you gained new insight that will accelerate your impact in your community, your organization, and in the world.